there have been a lot of discussions over time. Should we find a place other than Facebook to have these discussions? I think we're going to probably, although I can't predict the future, but my feeling is we're going to get to a point where it's not actually a choice anymore. It's not going to be able to post this kind of stuff on there. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reenactors Corner podcast. This is Chris here again with Ben. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm great, Chris. Great to be back. Before we get started, I just want to say a special thank you to everybody who supports us via Patreon. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. So thanks a lot. And also, uh, special thanks to our newest Patreon supporter, Bradley. We really appreciate your help. Thank you. Yeah, thanks again to the Patreon community, and thank you, Bradley. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're not going to be kind of talking about um, sort of anecdotes about reenacting, and we're not going to be talking about the nitty-gritty of material culture stuff either. Um, But I think this is going to be a really interesting episode. We are going to be talking about sort of a bigger picture about how reenactors communicate with each other and how using social media for that purpose has sort of become a challenge or whether or not it's become a challenge. We'll get into all the the nitty-gritty about that. Um, But before we get started, I wanted to share an email from a listener. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. He shared a story about something that happened to him recently at a reenactment that kind of relates to what we're going to talk about today. And I have a a story of my own that I'll I'll also share. Um, Just as a disclaimer, I didn't put in any effort to try to fact check this guy's story. I'm taking it at face value. Um, You know, I, I assume he's being truthful. It doesn't really matter. I think the story is believable. And for the purposes of this conversation, uh, like I say, we're just going to take it at face value. So uh, the listener writes, Hey, Chris and Ben, I'm an avid listener of the podcast, and it has helped shape me as a reenactor. I had a first for me happen at an event down here this past weekend that I thought I'd share with you and Ben if you so wish to pass it along. I've been actively reenacting for about three years now and have never had any issues with the public or with anyone for that matter. At an event this weekend that my group has been attending for many years, as I was walking to get food, I was physically assaulted. It caught me completely off guard, and I didn't really know how to react. I'm 27 years old, and this guy, I'd say he was about 20 or 21 maybe, ran up behind me, hit me in the head pretty hard with what felt like a semi-closed fist, and knocked my field cap onto the ground, and caused me to stumble just a tiny bit. He then proceeded to get in my face, flip me off, and scream obscenities, and then began backing off to try to get into the crowd that had formed around us, maybe about 30 people. Initially, I was very awestruck, and it took me several seconds to even process what had just happened, and then the rage and anger set in. I'm a very laid-back person, and it takes an extreme amount of stress to get me anywhere near pissed off, but this was a whole new level. It took everything in me to not react, either verbally or physically with some hobnails to the shin or something like that. I proceeded to pick up my cap from the ground and continued standing there while this person screamed at me and called me all kinds of names, all the while he was backing away from me. 
I had probably about two inches on him, and he was the cliche scraggly beard and hair with glasses meme, and I'm fairly confident that if I had stepped toward him or made any physical gesture, he would have run away even faster, but instead, I just stood there and let it play out. Uh, me being a German and specifically an SS reenactor, I know that if something extreme, such as me fighting him or even getting verbal, had happened, that I, being the one in the uniform, would be seen as the bad guy. Come to find out, after I got back to my camp and let my unit know, another member of ours was approached by the same person, but it was only verbal. But he never approached our camp with 15 people in it. I attempted to locate the guy again because I wanted to press charges, but I couldn't find him. I also did let the police at the event know, and they stationed an officer near our camp. Being in a leadership position in my unit, I told everyone that from now on, at public events, if we're leaving camp, that everyone will travel in groups of two or more. My unit are some of the nicest people I have ever met, and this incident left me completely dumbfounded. After this occurred, we decided to walk as a group to see the B-29 display. Along the way, we had several people want to stop and take pictures of us. We got a free tour of the B-29. We had a nice family come up to us and talk for a long time with no issues or anger of any kind. People came up to me after the incident to check and make sure I was okay, which made it even more crazy to me. But I guess that goes to show that not all people are shitty. I wasn't hurt at all thanks to having a hard head. Just wanted to share this experience due to it being the first time this has ever happened. And I think if you have the chance, myself and others would like to hear your experiences or what you think of incidents like mine and how we as German reenactors should react. Do we defend ourselves, wait out the storm, or is there a line that we set for ourselves and once it's crossed, we go on defense? I unfortunately um, fully believe this story and... uh... I, first of all, I will say that I would not encourage any reenactor who finds themselves in the shoes of this person to fight back, as this person astutely pointed out. Unfortunately, in the climate in which we live, by virtue of wearing the uniform, I feel like he will be seen as the aggressor, unfortunately. Um, also, I feel like people... We live in a very sort of politically charged day and age. Um, I feel like, you know, people on one side are looking for people on the other side to fight. And, you know, when you've been told so many times, you know, that it's okay to punch a Nazi, um, that if you happen to see a reenactor at a reenactment, um, well, there you go. Um, also, too... Um, I saw a video shared by a non-reenactor um, on social media of somebody in a New York bar who went there dressed in an Algamine uniform. Now, that, for I, people who don't know, that's like the black, classic black SS uniform from Star Trek and stuff. Yeah, and I would say that, first of all, in this day and age, this person should have known better than to do that. Um, but that said, I mean, what, didn't 15 years ago Prince Harry get in kind of hot water for dressing as a Nazi? You know what I mean? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Well, look, you know, there's been uh, Hogan's Heroes. I yeah. mean, there have been countless times. Uh, there used to be music stars, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin and 
uh, even Jimi Hendrix and and stars in the 80s like uh, Susie from Susie and the Banshees and stuff. Sure. Sex Pistols would wear this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a video of the Rolling Stones playing where one of the members is wearing a complete Waffenrock. But that said, in this video that this person posted, like people are like menacing this guy and like people start creeping toward him, threatening him with violence, you know, like they're going to beat him up, you know, like people are saying like, we're going to take you right now. And the person who shared this video was like, normalize this, this is good. And so, unfortunately, we live in a day and age where, you know, regardless of your intentions, y you might be totally non-political, but regardless of your intentions, if you're wearing a uniform that evokes the politics of that era, um, you, may, you, you may find yourself increasingly targeted. So... Yeah, um, it's it's unfortunate, but that said, this is the this is the politically charged day and age in which we live. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised to hear that that happened. I think that the uh, person, the listener, absolutely did the right thing. Um, you know, I think it's easy to maybe have some braggadocio and say, oh, well, I don't care. You know, if someone punches me in the face, it's go time. You know, I'm going to take them down. But it's like some fights you like can't win. You know, some, sometimes a victory, a victory is a loss in a way. Um, I wanted to tell a story of my own that uh, by way of like a contrast. And this is a true story. And Ben, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but this is a story from 20 years ago. And it took place at the annual Battle of the Bulge reenactment at Fort Indian Town Gap, Pennsylvania. Um, so I was on this United States Army base uh, wearing a, a Nazi uniform, you know, I mean, a uniform that you could call a Nazi uniform, right? A World War II German Army uniform. Uh, didn't really think anything unusual about the fact that I was on this U.S. Army base in the Nazi uniform when we heard that there was a news crew at the event from NBC News. Uh, I assumed that it was like the local NBC affiliate, but was then shocked to see an instantly recognizable uh, national broadcast face. I think it was Dan Rather walking around with a crew. So my reenactment group was like, oh, you know, we should talk to this guy. So we approached him and we said, hey, would you like to go for a ride in our truck? And he said, yeah. So we got all the helmeted Nazi soldiers, loaded them up in the back of the truck on the army base, put uh, Dan Rather in there. I positioned myself as close to him as I could, hoping that the cameraman would get me in the shot. We, we filmed a little segment, and when we were done, I called my mother from a payphone on the base, and I said, Hey, Mom, you've got to watch the NBC Nightly News tonight, the national broadcast. They did a segment at the reenactment, and I might be in it. You know, so my mother tuned in and lo and behold, there is her son uh, dressed in a Nazi uniform on an army base on the national news. And she was very proud. <laughs> and I tell that story because looking at that from pers the perspective of now, um, that feels like it happened in another dimension or like something from a science fiction novel. You know, if uh, if I see a news crew at a reenactment now, I'm not walking in the other direction. I'm running in the other direction. Sure. Because that is the level of societal change. You know, sure, like maybe I'm more mature. Maybe I have a, a different perspective now. But it's not like I have like a, a special security clearance or some kind of really sensitive job now. I'm not the president of the United States or anything. My situation isn't that different than it was 20 years ago. The difference is that 20 years ago, 
I could be photographed as being a participant in a reenactment and not have to worry about people committing violence against me, trying to destroy my life, trying to take away my job, trying to, you know, remove my ability to communicate or any of these things. Yeah. And now, I mean, unfortunately, there is a subset of people who are that they they will try to find out where you work. They will try to cause you to lose your job, you know, and uh, it might not even be because of your actual politics it might be because what they perceive your politics to be you know that's the terrifying thing about it you know and i will assert in my experience this is something that is new there were always people that weren't going to like what you were doing there were always people out there who were attracting negative attention but there wasn't a real easy mechanism for anybody to tap into to destroy them and there also wasn't necessarily this um sort of cultural mandate that you've got to destroy people this way. And so these are these are cultural trends or societal trends that have come about in more recent years and it definitely affects what we're doing as World War II reenactors and that brings us into our main topic for the night which is uh, the challenges of using social media to uh, be a platform for keeping in touch with the reenactor scene. It's very funny because I feel like I sort of experienced the heyday of reenacting Facebook. I joined the hobby exactly 10 years ago now in the fall of 2012, and for the first decade or so, I feel like that was the golden age of being able to meet re other reenactors on Facebook and, you know, sell whatever you want. You didn't have to censor anything. Um, you know, it's uh, you could, I mean, I remember people posted some pretty sort of I, – I remember seeing people like tr maybe trying to be controversial. Like people would post like edgy stuff, not necessarily because they actually believed it, but because they were trying to be edgy, you know. And um, I feel like you cannot do that anymore. You will get taken down. You have to censor stuff, and even that won't save you. Well, look, um, to kind of give some, some perspective on this, um, I – I got started reenacting about 20 years ago. I was never interested in participating in uh, reenactor Facebook. When I got started in reenacting, there was an email group that was the main sort of channel for communication for reenactors. And that was uh, supplemented and augmented in ways by various forums that reenactors would use to communicate with each other. And I was perfectly happy with this use of email groups and forums to find out what was going on with other reenactors. I was aware that there were reenactment groups on Facebook. Um, I didn't want to be a part of them, partially because I had a Facebook account, but I didn't want any reenactment content on my Facebook account so that people who use Facebook as like a free background check could see what I like to do for fun. Um, but then one day, I, I actually remember this very clearly, I was at a reenactment in Massachusetts, and people were talking about an event that I think they had done the previous month or a couple of weeks before, and I hadn't heard anything about that event. I didn't know that it was happening beforehand. I didn't, and you know, they were talking about an event that had happened locally weeks ago, and this is the first I'm hearing of it. And I said, you know, I didn't know anything about this event where was this planned? Where was this discussed? And the answer was, this was planned and discussed on Facebook. And I went home and I created a duplicate Facebook account that was just for reenacting. And I found out, yeah, okay, this is the place now. And it wasn't, it was probably a matter of months after that, 
that the old email lists and forums were basically ghost towns. They were dead. It's remarkable because it is the easiest. Uh, it, it it is Facebook is designed to be addictive, um, and it is super easy to use by intention. Um, and I think for this reason, it became this place where you know reenactors could congregate and share information. And I mean, for me, it was great because I mean, I actually, Chris, I think you and I met on Facebook first. Um, I met a bunch of other people who I've become like actual real life friends with, or who, or who I was able to meet in person on Facebook. And it, you know, it it, it was this wonderful thing. Um, this like real sort of thriving community. And most people have smartphones these days. Um, I, I understand this nostalgia for the pre-internet era that I hear from some people or the pre-social media era. But that said, we've left that in the dust, basically. That is, is, a, is, a, is a facet of the past. And so... I mean, the list of things that Facebook, the Facebook reenactment scene has done for me is a very long one. You know, I've made friends to some extent. I've bought and sold a lot of items. Um, You know, a lot of the cottage industry vendors that don't have web shops, they basically sell through Facebook. Um, And this podcast exists in a way because of Facebook, because I had posted on Facebook that I was interested in doing a reenactor podcast. And Lasso saw that. He was also interested in doing a reenactor podcast. And so we decided to join forces. And, you know, Lasso really set this thing up initially and got this thing off the ground. Um, I mean, uh, you know, countless events that I've attended that I that I only know about through through Facebook or that I only got invited to because I have a Facebook presence. Um, it's it's a, it's to me, there is value in communicating with reenactors outside of the people in my own group, outside of the people in my own region or the people I see in real life at events. Um, Yeah, totally, man. Totally. And I mean, again, you know, whole events have been planned on Facebook, promoted on Facebook. I think the success of, you know, certain individuals or units or, uh, you know, vendors or sites is down to Facebook in the last 10 years. Um, well, you know, uh, just thinking about it, like, um, could could a reenactor successfully reenact without being on Facebook? Obviously, the answer is yes. But in order for you to really know about what's going on out there, someone in your unit or somebody that you know basically has to be on Facebook because there is so you know such a high percentage of sort of reenactment chit chat and and planning and stuff really does take place on Facebook right now. Sure, totally, totally. So do you want to get around to the other the, the well? The, let's you know the, what, what happened. <laughs> well, we can we can kind of walk through the whole history of the thing. You and I experienced an era on Facebook where you didn't have to censor really anything. And then um, 2016 came around, the election of Donald Trump, uh, a, ri- a so- rise or a so-called rise or whatever you want to say about an extreme right wing in America. And all of a sudden, um, posts are getting deleted. People are getting deleted. There's a wave of censorship that is happening. If I remember right, Ben, you kind of got caught up in that kind of early on. Yeah, I remember the first time I had an account deleted. And I think it was because I had an uncensored photograph of the decal of an SS helmet. Um, and I believe that just did me in, you know? 
like and i didn't you know i i knew plenty of other people who posted close up you know decal close up decal photos you know and other you know things which could be called even more salacious uh and um, so I didn't think anything of it until my account went down and I lost all my messages and my contacts and my groups. And some of those, I think, were probably gone for good. Sure. Um, and like, you know, from my perspective of that time, in addition to being active in the reenactor community on Facebook, I was also active in the World War II collector community on Facebook. And I was an admin of a bunch of groups there that had a combined total of maybe 40 or 50,000 members. I used to buy a lot of stuff on there, sell a lot of stuff. There were a lot of new collectors coming in, people who were kind of eager to do trade and, um, sort of lower end items, people looking to buy their first war merit cross or that had some wound badges or breast eagles that they could sell for cheap. And I was buying all kinds of that stuff. And then when that wave of censorship happened one after another, like dominoes, all of those big groups fell. And, uh, the, the world war two collector community has been a shadow of what it was on Facebook ever since. Yeah. So I had hoped that, um, you know, with the election of Joe Biden, that maybe they would like kind of, let up on this. Maybe that the uh, hysteria of rooting out right-wingers or whatever online maybe would abate a little bit. I kind of hope that we could reach a state in America where we could be like, all right, everybody, let's just be cool and chill out here. But it didn't happen that way. And so there's, you know, constantly people have been uh, deleted obviously years ago now i had been in facebook jail so many times for posting purely historical content related to world war ii germany that i basically had two reenactor facebook accounts that i kind of used interchangeably with the thought that okay if one of these things goes down i'll still be able to admin my groups i'll still have my important contacts and so on um but this past weekend there was a massive purge on Facebook of people who are in groups that talk about collecting original World War II items. Almost all of those groups were deleted. Probably something like 20 popular groups were deleted. Most of the admins of those groups had their accounts deleted. Um, I had one of my reenactor accounts deleted as part of this purge. And... So I thought, okay, well, at least I still have the other one. About 48 hours later, Facebook removed all of my accounts. So, um, you know, this has this uh, this most recent purge has affected at least 100 accounts, probably more. I don't think there's any reason to think that these purges are going to stop. Um, look, Facebook doesn't want us talking about this stuff on their platform. And they are they are not going to like I don't see any reason to think that they're just going to let up and go back to even like a 2020 level of censorship. Never mind 2015, say, you know, I don't think they're going to just be like, OK, well, we, you know, we, we kicked off a bunch of people, but now we're just going to let the, the shattered remains of this community kind of reform and coalesce. I think they're just going to keep up the persecution of this stuff. And I expect that they are going to technologically become better and better and better at uh, keeping you off there, keeping that kind of content off there, and also blocking all your other profiles uh, if one of your profiles gets deleted. Sure. I mean, 
Chris, didn't you have a few alt accounts and they all got taken down? All of my accounts got taken yeah. down, including yeah. my normie account that has nothing to do with World War II at all, that I had always strove to keep it, you know, basically as non-controversial, as non-World War II oriented as possible. And, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, some people have theorized that they have agents, you know, who are infiltrating, but the answer is no. They have technology, they have bots, they have recognition software, and that's only getting better. Well, and, you know, there's uh, a lot of conspiracy theories, a lot of weird thoughts, but the, the reality is is that it's been since 2017 that we have tried to find ways around the censorship, uh, meaning self-censorship. So, you know, all the groups that I'm a member of have basically not allowed you to post an uncensored swastika since, you know, 2017. Um, and even to some extent using coded language, especially in the collector groups. But the reality is, uh, you know, you can post a heavily censored photograph of a dagger and then the description is germ man elite pokey thing, you know, with, yeah. with characters and, you know, with like numbers instead of the characters, they're still going to find you and they are still going to get you off the platform. These, this latest round of, of deletions has me convinced it's like, Look, there have been a lot of discussions over time. Should we find a place other than Facebook to have these discussions? I think we're going to probably, although I can't predict the future, but my feeling is we're going to get to a point where it's not actually a choice anymore. It's yeah. not going to be able to post this kind of stuff on there. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, there have been a few attempts uh, to move off Facebook over time. Uh, I think there was there was this, there was a social media platform called MeWe, which was proposed as a reenactor Facebook alternative. Some people tried to make the move. I myself made an account. I didn't really like it. Um, I didn't really like how it interfaced. You know how how you navigated it. It just wasn't the same. I don't think you could make groups. Um, I saw that there was there was an attempt at a dedicated uh, reenactor Facebook. Uh, what was it like? A, it wasn't an it wasn't an app. That was the problem. You couldn't download it on your phone. You had to access it on Safari or uh, or a desktop, right? Yeah, uh, military history network. That's it. That's it. It was basically a website. Um, listen, I'm not going to tell anybody that they shouldn't try to make uh, reenactor-only platforms. The The problem that I find is that um, there's just kind of no putting the genie back in the bottle. You know, I, I don't think it's possible to get people to embrace obsolete technology when they're used to this social media app and scrolling through their feed. I yeah. feel like if you're going to get people to go somewhere, it has to be at least close to that level of, you know, immediacy, that level of ease of use. Something where you have to sit down at your computer to share a photograph is, like, not going to work. No, no, no. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I lived that life in, like, the early to mid 2000s you know i think i remember when i first created facebook i had like a digital camera and i would like plug the card into my laptop and like upload files that way but the reality is that is in the past that has sort of gone into the ether and i've heard some people say oh we should go back to forums you know or email lists and it's it that is a thing of the past unfortunately yeah it's you know it there is uh there can be small communities online. If someone wants to create a small community on a forum or on a um, or on a, an email list or whatever, that's great. Private servers, whatever, private chats, group chats, right? Um, unfortunately, I think we're we're at a point where we need kind of like a 
something that can be a little bit bigger, you know. Yeah. When I got started on Facebook with regard to the reenactor stuff, I saw right away that stuff that was discussed on Facebook was 100% having an effect on my experience at reenactments. Mm. Like trends that started on Facebook were manifesting in real life at reenactment. Sure. I, I don't know if I can necessarily overstate how influential some of those groups and things were on reenactments in that era. Totally, dude. Totally. We posted on our Facebook, which I don't uh, really have access to right now, and asked some of our listeners um, kind of what their experience has been with uh, trying to use social media for reenactment discussion. We got some great uh, comments on there. Um, one of the comments was from uh, the NGP History Project. They said, well, we aren't World War II related. Our content is post-American Civil War to World War I, 1866 to 1917, National Guard of Pennsylvania related. And we noticed a hit as well, meaning in this recent purge. They said, we lost a few likes and follows, and some of our content hasn't been getting around as quick or as widespread as it used to. And I think that is that mirrored my experience even before I got kicked off where you know, the groups weren't growing, engagement wasn't kind of rising on this stuff. I felt like a lot of people who were getting deleted weren't coming back. A lot of people who came back and made their second and third accounts, they weren't going to make their fourth account. And, you know, we don't, you don't necessarily really know. A lot of people out there are on Facebook just kind of passively, um, they're part of the reenactment community. They may be kind of passively consuming that content and not really interacting a lot. But then when they're gone, they're just gone and you don't realize it, but your audience is getting smaller and smaller. To me, the scary thing is that, you know, all my photos, all my contacts, everything just wiped, you know. There is the possibility that, you know, everything that I have, all my communication all, uh, could could just go away in an instant um, without my control, maybe for something I posted years ago that I thought was innocuous. Um, and, you know, I think in the past people have been sort of conspiratorial. Oh, somebody must be reporting me, you know. But I honestly think, and I mean, this itself sounds slightly conspiratorial, but I honestly feel like it's the... It's the program itself that's getting better at finding certain types of content, and and unfortunately, World War II reenactment content falls under the umbrella of what they're trying to get off their platform. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are people out there reporting stuff on some sure. level, but oftentimes when I've been kicked off of Facebook, either temporarily or permanently— People will say, well, what was it that you posted? And uh, it doesn't necessarily really work that way. You, you go to log into Facebook and suddenly your screen flashes and you're looking at this big notice that was just like, we kicked you off for violating our terms of community standards or whatever the hell it is. You know, they don't they don't say, well, you posted such and such a thing. You, you will get that notice if you get put in basically Facebook jail where you can't post for 30 days or a week or whatever it is. Um, and I'll tell you, some of that stuff, it's, it, it could be something from many years ago. It could be something totally innocuous. And you can appeal that. But more often than not, the appeal doesn't go anywhere. And, you know, you just lose access to your stuff for a long time. It's really annoying. Sure. And, I mean, I've, I think I've had two reenactment accounts shot out from under me where I've just had to start from scratch again. And, I, I, I mean, again, I had the first one where I think it was the uncensored photo of the SS helmet. The second one, I don't know what did me in. I honestly don't. Um, and so, yeah, and, and for me, what, one of the things which frightens me is, uh, 
I, you know, conduct a lot of business on Facebook. I have a lot of sort of military contacts. I like to buy. I like to sell. And even though I do keep assiduously maintained paper records of all my sales and, you know, who I sold to, in case my account goes down and I have to, like, reach out to people on maybe, like, a new account, um, it's... It's still frightening to me. Uh, yeah, like you're not going to mail them a, a mailer with the link to your new Facebook account. Totally. Like I have to. Like if my account goes down, I lose ac- I, I, I lose access to my sales message. I have to go try to track down the person who I sold to, um, and uh, you know reach out to them if they have any questions or you know if so. It's it's it, it it's just, it's scary the idea of losing that you know because I don't want to like leave anybody in the lurch and make them feel like you know they were just like ghosted you know or something or if that there's like they have a issue with the transaction or whatever you know like it just it's scary to me. I'm sure that someone listening to old episodes of this podcast can find times that I advocate for reenactors to have a regular Facebook for their family and coworkers and stuff, and a second duplicate account with a fake name that is their reenactor account. I told I had been ringing the bell for people to have duplicate reenactor accounts for years. Um, now this is very chilling. Where I got. Um, my account deleted, presumably because I was an admin of some collector groups or I had posted in them or been a member or whatever. And it wound up taking down all of my accounts. Um, Having multiple accounts has always been against the Facebook terms of service. They didn't um, enforce that. They could start enforcing that at any time. And and, and if they're going to start by blocking all of your accounts, I mean, there's a precedent for this, right? There's certain people who I'm not going to name who are controversial media figures who have basically been kicked off of all social media platforms and can't get back on, can't have any kind of account. You know, they can really stop you from being on there if they want to. And of course, you're imagining that there's some manual procedure um, where someone has to root out all your profiles. And I'm not sure that's the case. They could probably just click a button and find out every single account that you've ever had and do whatever they want with them and, and ban them all, ban you from making more. You know, there's no reason why they can't do that stuff. Sure. Totally. Totally. That the level of, uh, and the reality is too, I see people try to decry this fight back, but it's, it's their program, you know? We agree to this when yeah. we sign up for the it's, terms of service. It's not the internet. And it's so, a website. Yeah, it's... It, I think there's something to be said for the fact that it's sort of the de facto public square and that people should have access to this. I think it does bring up freedom of speech issues, but that's like a whole other ball of Sure, words. sure. But, like, I see it as being... I don't agree with this, you know? It affects me negatively. It causes me to lose sleep. But that said, it's... I feel like trying to it's it's like you can't fight city hall um trying to uh trying to basically protest this you're not going to get anywhere you know I read in an old letter one time uh somebody said uh there's a certain vulgarity in insisting on inserting yourself where you're not wanted and I see that here in a sense where it's like look they are running a website they do not want us on there talking about this stuff um we are insisting on being on their platform. Uh, being, us being on their platform makes makes them money. It creates data that they sell to advertisers. So we, you know, like we as reenactors, generally speaking, are not a big fan of Zuckerberg or these other social media oligarchs. And yet, 
we're participating in something that's that's put them in the position of power that they're in. So it's a, it's a pretty complex uh, and dynamic situation. Sure. Yeah, and it's just if insisting upon yourself, I agree, dude. There is a certain vulgarity in it. Well, um, there is a group that I'll, I'll kind of plug that I think is still on Facebook called The Catch Can. Mm. And this book, this uh, group was originally called like, you know, Military a Trader Reputation Group. And then as it got kicked kicked off of Facebook over and over and admins got banned, it had to morph to a more and more cloak and dagger thing. So it now has this vague and innocuous Catch Can uh, description where you wouldn't even know what the group is about. But after this most recent purge, of course, it was just post after post. You know, has anyone, does anyone know the email address of so-and-so? What happened to this group? What happened to this group? And people saying, I'm back on Facebook. I got deleted. And there has been like a steady stream of, I think, very reasonable commentators here saying, listen, um, you know, look, I saw somebody on there saying, okay, well, it took me 15 times, but I finally figured out how to get back on Facebook after I had my account deleted. You just have to add friends very, very slowly, add yourself to groups very, very slowly, you know, lay low. And it's just like, uh, to me, Ben, you mentioned earlier how easy Facebook is to use. If you have to use like domestic terrorism levels of subterfuge to remain on the platform, how easy is it really? It's not easy at all. It's 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 it, it's it, it's that's it's a you cannot do that. You know you cannot do that to yourself. A couple of related comments came in on the. Uh, discussion on the Facebook group our friend Dylan Williams wrote it's definitely a situation where someone is going to need to make their own forum and host it to keep the information up forums very well could be the way forward full circle in terms of the social media platform none of the alternatives have or will get very far Facebook is simple easy to use and has the user mass to outlast any potential alternative all the other alternatives disintegrate after a few weeks typically as they're overrun with political undesirables or unreliables he says and uh auto writes there was a push a year ago to get people to the military history network it had a facebook vibe and set up but was run by reenactors who weren't offended prior to that uh, remember when we all hung out on forums so people mm. do remember we did used to use forums um you know, generally speaking, the, the social media platforms, I totally agree with Dylan. Ben, you mentioned MeWe. To me, part of the problem with MeWe was that I never heard about MeWe except for in the context of uh, join this for like reenacting and collectibles sure. discussion. Sure. Um, and of course, it's the same thing. He, you know, he mentions that some of these sites are overrun with uh, political types. Um, these various like free speech platforms like... Um, from what I understand, right? I, I was, I've never been on like Parler or Truth Social. You know, I know Gab is another one um, where you can kind of post whatever you want. But these things become basically ghettos for either like kind of like, you know, far right people or what I think are, are federal agents posing as far right people. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a bit of a meme these days. But honestly, I think there's probably some truth to it, you know? <laughs> well, that's the problem is that when the main channel is like, you know, heavily censored and slanted one way and then you have a, another smaller channel that's open to um, like political ideologue people, it just becomes a ghetto f for political ideologues. Sure. And like, I'm not necessarily trying to go onto some platform where people that I haven't met before that I am going to encounter are going to be like, uh, you know, glow in the dark uh, CIA people or some kind of uh, maniac. <laughs>
Uh, I can't help but laugh, but no, I mean, it's true, unfortunately, I feel like. Yeah, um, and that brings us to a comment from uh, Ludwig Topp, Topp, who has been a, a guest on here before. He writes, reenactors are trapped on mainstream social media entirely by their own choice. Facebook is just what everyone uses. It's also owned by people who obviously and understandably don't want their platform to be used in the way we want to use it. So this is always doomed to happen. Chris's account being deleted means all of his posts have been deleted too. I had quite a few of them saved on Facebook for reference, but only a few saved to my computer. So those unsaved posts, which were really useful, are now gone too into the digital memory hole, which to me is frustrating and saddening, although ultimately expected. Sure, totally. You know, it's become impossible to really build anything on there. You know, when I think about like groups that I used to really love, like I had a group for disgusting, uh, I'm sorry, for discussing. uh, Disgusting. I've seen a lot of disgusting groups and I'm probably still a member of some on Facebook, but uh, I had a group for discussing M16 helmets and and variations and it was like really cool. You know, a lot of people posting a lot of interesting photographs and information and examples of original helmets and and imagery and stuff. Uh, I I think maybe the, the greatest era of like a reenactment discussion group was the old uh, help page 2.0 before that got deleted. Yeah. I'd be damned. So that brings us to a comment here from uh, Trevor. He writes discord may work. It functions similarly to Facebook groups and has far less outside moderation than Facebook does. Now I basically got onto discord, I guess, because Lasse had set up a Discord channel for the Reenactors Corner podcast for people who support us via Patreon to have access to. And there's been chatter on there on and off, you know, maybe more or less sort of a ebb and flow. But being on there, uh, I got invited to some other Discord servers, some uh, Discord groups for uh, collectibles. Um, there was a there's a YouTube channel that's about Militaria that I support them via patreon they have a discord server for their patreon supporters and you know it's it's like kind of like a facebook group and that it's not um everyone in the world on these things right it's uh it's some number of people and there's sort of like a a kind of a chat aspect to it where people are just sort of chit-chatting every day but it's similar to a forum structure where you can um where you can like have different categories and topics and people can post on various topics. And it's, it's very customizable. You can customize what kind of notifications that you want to get. And uh, when you're setting up a group, you can customize it a, a million different ways. Um, so I noticed after this most recent, so even before this most recent purge on Facebook, there was a group that I was in that was for uh, collecting world war II armbands and they had had a bunch of strikes from Facebook, content had gotten removed, and they had said, uh, all right, uh, we our time here is limited. We're going to get kicked off Facebook. It's either just give this up or move migrate this to a different platform. We have started a Discord server. And the people who ran it kind of gave a countdown, you know, we're going to announce on such and such a day the link to the Discord server once it's all set up. And on the appointed day, they announced it and... Uh, I wasn't at first really like interested in going on there. Um, I got a couple of messages from the admins of the group asking me if I was going to go on to the discord. But then I think one day I, I like had a question about an armband 
And I'm thinking, well, I know that there's a place on the internet that has some armband collectors that I can go. So I got into that server and they've, they had basically successfully migrated their discussion group over to Discord. The people that I had been used to seeing in the Facebook group, not all of them, but a bunch of them, they were on Discord and the conversation was happening. You know, they were posting there every day, back and forth, talking about armbands. So, um, you know, kind of. And then in in this purge that happened, that armband group did get deleted. Mm. So it turns out that that group, the admins of that group really did make the right decision because they are still talking to each other on the internet. The Facebook thing is gone, but they have a way to remain in touch with, with their fellow enthusiasts. And uh, look, a lot of Facebook groups have done this. A lot of people have moved, a lot of collectors have moved over to discord servers there's been tons and tons of new groups popping up um you know i haven't like configured all my notifications exactly the way that i want it but at one point today i looked and i had like 690 uh notifications from the collector groups that i joined wow on discord. yeah i mean i take a certain cautionary tale in my attempts to join the military history social media group and also MeWe, where myself and other people hyped this thing up on Facebook, like we're gonna go over, we're gonna do it, you know, we're this we're gonna start a thing, and then it did not really take off. But that said, um, I downloaded Discord this I downloaded Discord last night, and I briefly went on a group this morning, and it seemed. Honestly, quite user friendly and just like and just like Facebook. So I don't want to basically hold a a carrot out in front of other people who and then not follow through. But that said, this thing has potential. Well, I think that's very wise. You know, we've all been tired of people saying, "Okay, this is going to be the next place," and it isn't. Yeah. The part of the thing that I like about Discord is that Discord isn't like MeWe or some other specific website. It's a place that has probably millions of people already there. You know, tons and tons of people are already using this thing. And so, sure, you're not going to get everyone to go from Facebook to Discord, but you might find some people that were already on Discord that are willing to be in your server. It's not really like a social media site, I would say. It's more like an app for chat where you can make groups. You don't have like a feed, although if you join a bunch of groups, you know, there's it's sort of similar to scrolling through a feed. Sure. And, uh, you don't really have like a profile. It's not really like a status update thing. It's it's for um, communication. And that's really what we need here for reenacting is we need something where you can take a picture with your phone and immediately send it to the thing. I think it, it is ideal if it's not a separate reenacting kind of only place, but a place where you are anyway. I mean, if you look at statistics about Facebook, a lot of young people like aren't getting on Facebook and there are tons and tons of young people on discord. Um, I'm not an expert on discord. I'm also, you know, not going to do a hard sell here, but all right, here's the big announcement. I've kind of been waiting for this. So I mentioned that there is a reenactors corner discord server that was set up for the people who support us via Patreon. So as of the time that you're listening to this, um, this server is now open to everybody. So you can go on there. Uh, you don't have to be a Patreon supporter. For those of you who are kind enough to support us via Patreon, there is a separate special Patreon members only section for you guys. But 
the general channels and uh, chat stuff, it's all open to anyone who wants to join. So you can come on there and you don't have to censor your pictures. You don't have to worry about your account getting deleted yet. You know, I, I did notice someone will probably point this out. I looked at the discord um, like uh, policies on hate speech. It's basically similar to what Facebook community standards are uh, and have always been. The difference is Facebook is now actively booting this content off, whereas Discord, as far as I can tell, and having been in these collector groups for months, they're no one. They they just don't care. So you can do whatever you want. Um, and anyone who wants to come and and chat with me about reenacting, uh, I invite you to do so on our Discord. I'll make sure that there's a link to the Discord in a place where you can find it. You can look on the Facebook page, or I'll try I'll try to make sure that we put it like even in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this, there should be a link there where you can get on Discord. Very good. Yeah, I am there, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of you there. Now. Um, one could argue about whether or not it's easy to use. And, and I'll say this about it in my experience. It did take like a little bit of getting the hang of it. But I really think that, I mean, there was a time long ago sitting down at a computer. I had to learn how to use MySpace and Facebook. You know, it, there is a little bit of a learning curve when you're starting to use any app or website, I think. But look, it's... Uh, it's set up like a forum, you know, you click on a thing where people are talking about whatever you want to talk about. And there's people in there talking about it and you can ask questions, you can respond to other people, you know, it's, and, uh, I, I'm sure that if you wanted, you could set up your own discord server for the event that you're trying to promote or for your own idea about reenacting or whatever, invite people there and, you know, be able to be in touch with people that way, because it is, it is valuable being able to, like, let's be honest here. We're talking about an extremely niche thing. We're talking about making believe that it's World War II. We're talking about something that most grown-ups don't actually have any interest in doing. Uh, I cannot go down to the bar in my town and, and set up shop on a Friday night and meet up with other people who want to talk about how to dress up like it's World War II. Sure. Um, in order for this thing to kind of exist at this point, we need to be able to network with other enthusiasts and that networking is just going to happen on the internet. That's just how it is. It's never going to be exactly the same as Facebook. Um, you're not going to be able to get everybody on there, but I just think, I think that this is an idea that is viable. And, and frankly, even if only a, a few people were to sign up for it and there could be kind of a low level of, of sharing ideas and exchanges with other reenactors and, you know, some photos for inspiration here and then, or picture, people posting cool impressions or whatever it is, that would like be enough for me. Sure. Well, I mean, I feel like these communities constantly evolve and I feel like we've reached a point where we have to evolve. And so... If it's Discord, then, or something else. Yeah, it's going to have to be something. Time to explore that. Because the alternative is is basically oblivion. Now, I, I don't know, like I said earlier, I can't predict the future. It could, it could be that uh, Mark Zuckerberg will wake up tomorrow and have a change of heart and decide to stop uh, directing his, you know, giant teams of employees to root out and remove our accounts. But I like, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I would entertain some doubts upon that. Prior to the whole th change that happened in 2016, 2017, I had an Instagram account that was for showing my World War II collection. And it seems crazy to say it now, but I would just post uncensored pictures of, uh, you know, original items that could include swastika flags or medals with swastikas on them. And I had quite a lot of 
interactions with people on there. I had well over 5,000 people following my posts. I had a lot of people asking me if I would sell stuff to them. I had people offering to sell stuff to me, and I bought some of that stuff. I made valuable collector contacts. Um, then one day, the inevitable thing happened. I got kicked off the platform because I had posted pictures that they didn't like, meaning pictures of World War II German content stuff. And I lost uh, all of those contacts that I had. You mm -hmm. know, I haven't talked to any of those people since. I don't, you know, that those people are all, um, all those accounts, whatever, it's all gone. And uh, look, I think maybe it's time for people to start thinking now about where they're going to go. Rather, rather than wait until the absolute last minute when you're on Facebook uh, writing in Swahili <laughs> and your your profile photo is you know some some weird ideological thing that you hate just to throw the censors off your trail, right? <laughs> look, yes, to be clear, yes. I'm open to other people's ideas and I'm not telling anybody what to do. I'm not sitting here banging the drum that's saying that Discord is the future. I think it's an option that's worth exploring and it's one that I plan to explore in the aftermath of me being kicked off of Facebook. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe there could be some other platform that could come around. Maybe some, some huge change is going to happen. But uh, in the short term, I like talking about reenacting. It's entertaining. Uh, it's, it's informative. It's a way that I learn. I like to share my own research. I had a whole bunch of stuff planned for, uh, content that I was going to be posting on social media coming up soon. Um, like I've been, tr I translated a bunch of rutabaga recipes and I've been cooking them. I wanted to do a whole series about World War II Germany and the rutabaga and with, with recipes and kind of historical commentary and, uh, I guess I'll be posting that on, I guess I'll be posting that on my blog, or my website at festung.net as an article, but that's like kind of different from what I, the way I had wanted to do it, which would be like a bunch of posts over time, maybe build some interest, kind of get people talking about rutabaga, thinking about rutabaga instead of just boom, here's like everything I was able to learn about this subject for someone who it occurs to them one day to do a Google search to research uh, Wehrmacht's rutabagas. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's different. Yeah, social media is fun. Um, on that note, excuse me, Chris, I'm going to download Duol Duolingo and start learning Swahili. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many various reasons uh, and different integral parts that kind of keep a unit together and keep it running for inching up toward 50 years here as a as a unit. So to be be able to say that you've been around for for this amount of time, it it's it's quite impressive. To get that full immersion in 3,000 meters, uh, it snowed on us. It was frost at night, sleeping in under cell ponds. Yeah, it was a great experience being on, on that location, being in the Alps, uh, wearing the uniform and being with like-minded guys. It's a real pleasure to be here as a, as a long-time listener and someone whose long drives to reenactments are uh, filled with the sounds of the reenactors corner podcast. It's a bit of a fanboy moment. So I guess that's, that's pretty much where we stand now. Um, you know, I... 
I hope this episode wasn't too dreadfully boring. I know it's kind of different than the regular stuff, but it's really something that's been on my mind. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. It sucks getting my accounts deleted. You know, I've, I sell stuff on Facebook. I, I make products for reenactors. I, I, you know, the people who want to buy my stuff send me a message on Facebook. All that stuff is gone. And like, I did put a lot of work into trying to build stuff up on Facebook. And I know some people are going to point their fingers and laugh and say, well, you always should have known better, but. I kind of thought that there was like a way around this fate for me, but here it is. And, uh, you know, I plan to kind of have some kind of presence on Facebook, but it's not going to be the same. And it's just time to understand that these, these mainstream social media platforms like Twitter, you know, I know that, uh, this is for people who use Twitter or read news about Twitter. You probably heard that a rich guy bought it and kind of was posturing that it was going to be, uh, a freedom of speech platform now, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. He hasn't come out and said exactly what his plan is, but what, what his actions are, make it look like it's kind of going to be business as usual. So, and, and and I would love nothing more than for reenactors to build their own platform. But you know, the, the, that's a real uphill battle. Mm. People, people aren't even used to like looking at the internet anymore. Going to a website is kind of becoming obsolete for a lot of people, I feel like. You know, if there's an app on your phone that gives you a notification, I think that's what's kind of required here. Yeah, I fear so, you know. I mean, I'm a, I'm a millennial Zoomer who's, who's addicted to my smartphone, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's the way of the world these days, you know. All right, so without... Uh, talking in circles anymore thank you for uh coming to my weird talk uh ben thanks for coming on the program again thank you chris and uh to ben and everybody else out there i'll see you in the field see you in the field we love hearing what you think about the podcast so why not let us know by reaching out in all the usual places Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for The Reenactors Corner and you'll find us there. And maybe think about supporting us via Patreon. No matter how big or small, your monthly donations make a huge difference. And as ever, thanks to Mike, a.k.a. Retro Man, for editing the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us here again at The Reenactors Corner. Corner.